Hey, so before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about Disney Plus. Now, I know by now you've probably heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From classics like Snow White to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hayes sent you. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Oh, shit. Here we go again. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Awakened Soul Podcast. I'm your host, CEO Hayes, and we have a great show planned for you guys this week. As you heard on the intro, uh, we'll be talking, we'll be digging into the Biden thing during the In the Mind of Hayes segment. Uh, but this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. The discussion topic is actually going to be the full recording uh, from the mentality uh, sit down that we had this week, uh, actually just this past uh, Thursday, by the time you're listening to this one, if you're listening to it, uh, the day that it drops. But um, that event is, is going to be a once a month thing. It's where black men get together and we talk about uh, how we how do we improve our mental health? How do we identify certain things? How do we get past um, certain traumas and things that we haven't dealt with now? This is going to be the only time it's going to be available as a podcast because we really want to make that event its own thing um, and keep it focused on um on having people show up and engage in that conversation live. Uh, but I wanted to make this first one available so people can know what's going down, know what to expect. And when the next one goes down, which is going down on June 18th, we can have a lot of people join and just be a part of it. We had about, um, I believe it was about 29. I know it was no less than 25 uh, people who joined and just took a part of that conversation. It opened up. You'll get to hear it. Can't wait till you guys get to hear it on the discussion topic. But um, enough about that. Uh, we also have our normal segments. But I'm your host, CEO Hayes. If you don't know, you can follow me at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. You can follow the podcast at Awaken Soul Potter at The Awaken Soul Potter, depending on where you're looking for us at. It's been a hell of a week. We're going to go ahead, we're going to get into our intro music, and then on the other side of that, we're going to hop into my dark and twisted, crazy-ass mind. i see you guys there. The following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my daddy. All right, 
we're here in my dark and twisted mind and okay so not too dark not too twisted this week we're actually just going to be talking about two specific topics that i want to discuss and the first one is the joe biden interview so you heard it um the, a little clip of it and that's be the clip that you hear the most uh coming out of that um that interview uh we played that towards the beginning of the show um had a little fun with it but we're gonna go ahead we're gonna play more of the interview so you guys can get a better um better grasp on exactly what was said kind of the context and then we're gonna come back and discuss it here it goes listen you gotta come see us when you come to new york vp biden because i a, will it's a long way until november we got more questions you got more okay. questions but i tell you if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. Now, I've been critical of you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Today. I know you have. Yeah. You don't know me. No, I don't. That's why I want to get to know you today. I want to get to know you today. Um, I want to talk to you about mostly black stuff. I get overwhelming support from the black leadership, young and old. Every poll shows me way ahead. And black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. We've seen it more clearly now. In a, in a black majority county, they're six times more likely to die in a pandemic than a white county. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African-American community, disproportionately make up the essential jobs that, that, that they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. All right, so I, coming out of this, right, um, there's, there's a lot of different feelings that I have. Um, one, I hate that, I do hate that Joe Biden dec decided to say that. Uh, one, because, you you know and i hate to i'm gonna put my own people to carpet but we don't like black people in general don't pay a lot of attention to politics um a lot of what people do is they look at um what's out on mainstream media they look at clips they look at um things like this and for this to be something now that's going to be out and i know a lot of people are going to read it and, and that's going to be the rhetoric for quite a while is oh did you hear what he said about you ain't black and who is he to speak on it and while i do agree with those things i just i just hate that he put his foot in his mouth in a time where um we we know how how stuff and people are already um bored and stuff like that so it sucks that he said it um it was and i think he would even admit that it was um it was just dumb to say. And, you know, looking at, at the actual video for those who are watching on YouTube and actually seen the video aren't just listening. I think when you when you see him say it, I, I don't know if he was being more jovial with, with Charlemagne or whatnot. But again, that doesn't excuse it at all in my book. So I'm not sitting here saying even if he did mean it, mean it to be jovial, that it's it's it makes it OK, because Biden has put his foot in his mouth a couple of different times um, over the course of his political career. Uh, this is something that that goes on with him and i don't know if he just it's one of those old people things where they just don't give a damn what they say if he thinks he's funnier than what he is if he's not if he doesn't know how to read the room um i don't know but in this case it's going to be one of those things where is joe biden going to be the one that takes joe biden out the race is he going to get in his own way there's a very good chance of that um again i don't think that I've said this before, not that I'm saying that it's, it's what I want, but I don't think there's really much of a chance for anyone um, to get Trump out of office right now. The, the whole way that the Democratic Party 
handled this whole election is just it, it just they haven't been able to produce a candidate that I think is going to be able to get enough votes to get Trump out of the White House. That's That's been my thought for the better part of about a year now as the debates and everything went down. It just solidified it more and more to me. Um, but, you know, that's that's a story for another day. Overall, when it comes to Joe Biden and this comments of uh, he ain't black, if he has a, a you ain't black, if you have a hard time deciding between him and Trump, um, I think it's him not being aware of like how well Trump has done convincing younger black people that he is for them. We had Sharice uh, Lane on a couple of weeks ago, uh, who is a black conservative and is a Trump supporter. She's actually got to meet President Trump. And when you hear her talk about it and why she thinks um, Trump has the ideals of uh, black people in mind, like I, I did that and I had that conversation. I wanted to have that specifically publicly so people can start understanding why young black people are starting to not. And let me not say generally like it's everyone, but are starting to flock to Trump. This gave them more ammunition for this as well. So when you when you look at at, at everything like that, I just think people are underestimating um, while like some of the old, like us older black people and us older black community, we I think generally are against Trump. Um Trump has done a great job convincing younger black people uh, to vote for him. And as we know, the young the young people are the future when it comes to stuff like this. So I think he just I I, I think I don't know what, what I can never go uh, and understand what, what went through Biden's mind. If he even was thinking of something just happened in the moment. Like I said, you know, interview with Charlemagne, who Charlemagne's a funny guy, uh, does stuff like that happen. Um, but, you know, this, of course, blew up like you expected to. Charlemagne has actually come um out and you know he's done the whole what have you done for me lately thing saying biden wanted to uh biden tried to talk a lot about what he's done historically for black people which some of that's even in question as well because when you look at like biden since like the late 70s and some of the stuff that he's done um it, it can stuff can be called into question um and I, I really think that if if the biden campaign is looking at because you were president obama's vice president that you're automatically going to have a large portion of the black vote you probably are but you need to you need to get more than just that built in audience. And I think this goes back to some of the stuff that I've been talking about is like I don't believe in just off one party. I believe in looking at people um, specifically and candidates specifically and what their platforms are more so than looking at a party. And I think a lot more people are starting to think like that as well. And I think when you look at like Biden feeling like he has that built in audience, I think that that's given him a level of comfortability he hasn't deserved uh, to have at this point um, because it's just. I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, he's already said he's going to come back on the Breakfast Club again. Um, hopefully he can do a lot better job this time. Um, it's just it's just a bad fucking look. Like, really, it's just a bad look when you when you boil it and whittle it all down. It's just not good look, a uh, good thing. And it doesn't make the black community feel good when you say things like this, like you ain't black. Like, who are you? as an older white man to say what is and what isn't black. Now I get again, and I, and I feel like I have to argue both sides of this because I am of two minds when it comes to this. It's like, I understand, I think what he was getting at with that. And everybody isn't going to have that same opinion. If everybody isn't going to give him a pass for that, because we feel like we know what he said at the end of the day, these were your words. This is what's put out here. This is now what's going to go viral. You have given them a sound clip uh, to use in this election and damn sure this is going to come back to bite him in his ass now what i do want to say uh coming off this is that what do you guys feel about biden so far what do you think about his candidacy uh has this did this hurt your opinion of him any um 
did it not? Is it one of those things where you don't care? Did you kind of understand? I'd love to hear your feedback on it. Let me know um, in, in any comment in uh, the comment section. If you're watching on YouTube or hit me up on Twitter, you know what we do uh, when we drop episodes. But let's get into the next and last topic during the end of my hey segment uh, this week. I'm keeping this fairly short because the mentality is a very long um, conversation. I do want to give a lot, a big portion of the show that focus. Um, but and another thing of kind of putting your foot to your mouth, or I guess exposing things, Doja is over party. Doja Cat, uh, who was revealed to be on a um, video chat with uh, racist in, a racist incel group. And this isn't the first time that her racism has been called into question over her career. Um, you know, people have gone back now and dug up a song that had a title of uh, Didn't Do Nothing. Uh, which is a term that was used for people uh, to degrade black people uh, who are victims of police brutality. Um, so she had a, a song titled that. Like, I think when you look at everything that's come out, my thing is, is that why do you guys only pay attention when there's controversy? Why was she even given a pass if that's the case? And some of these these comments, you know, some are go back to 2015, some are 2018, some of the stuff that's come out about her. So we're looking at a pattern. I know a lot with cancel culture. I've talked about it before here. I don't always agree with cancel culture, especially when it's used for things that were like eight and 10 years ago. Um, and then people focus on that regardless of what people don't have done since then. But this is recent stuff with Doja. And this is a fairly solid pattern of things that of, of of racist stuff that's going on with her so now that the whole doja doja's canceled doja cats canceled it's over like my thing is is how, how many people are going to really hold on to this next time she drops a hot song with Nicki minaj or something um because people like they have short-term memory and like i get tired of the virtue signaling because people want to come out loudly when stuff like this pops up but then we'll be the first ones to forget it the next time she drops an album or something. So if we're going to hold true to this, if we're going to hold her foot to the fire over her over um, the racist remarks that she has. We keep letting people into this culture that I guess we don't verify or we don't or we don't look at their history again. Now, this 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 chat thing may have not ever come out or whatever. But like I said, this hasn't been the first time with her she's come out she's come under fire for homophobic uh, re remarks and tweets before like it's at some point what part do we start looking at the character of a person i get the music's good and she is a good artist i would never like doja catch one of those people where i while all of her music isn't for me i can understand the appeal because she is talented but at the same time when you notice a pattern of just constant fuckery with the same person all right now you now doja's over right Doja's canceled. Let, let's just see how, how if people hold true to that. Are you one of these people? Are you are you are you canceling Doja? Um, I just think like Doja Cat, I, I look at it as like looking at some of the tweets, looking at some of the responses to it. I just I really think she's somebody who's young, ignorant, who was young and ignorant. That doesn't excuse it if it's still going on and happening now. Um, but I think that she saw a lane. She saw an ability to uh, get the black audience and she ran with it. Now, what are we going to do? I, I I guess it's just I'm just waiting to see because all these things like they pop up, they get a lot of publicity. People are all for saying that they're canceled and everything for a while. And then everything just goes right back to normal. So is that going to be one of these situations? I hope not. Let, let's see. I, I really and you know, when you ask the question of if, is this going to affect her career? She's gotten out of sticky situations before. Um, 
this one is bad. Uh, I, I I don't think that it's it's going to be one that's easy to sweep under the rug. Uh, at least it's uh, as of this recording, she hasn't really come out and responded at all. And I think that's telling. Um, now, you know, sometimes people take time to respond to kind of let things die down before they come with facts. So it just doesn't turn into a back and forth on social media and everything. And maybe that's one of these cases. But in my opinion, with with it being so quiet after it's come out, I really think that this is what it, exactly what it looks like. And there's not any room for interpretation. It is she is who we think she is uh, to use a sports term. Um, and, you know, people are saying that she's demeaning her own people. It, it's it's it's. It's not good, Doja Cat. Like, it's just not. This isn't a good look in any shape, form, or fashion. Um, and it's just one of those things. It's like, how how many chances do we give people? Um, again, I'm not always one who who agrees with cancel culture. I've said that many times before. I think I've actually done a whole episode talking about um, how I don't agree with cancel culture and certain things. But sometimes we just we just have to like get the fuck get the, get people out of the lane, like. They got to get the fuck up out of here uh, to, to quote John, like in, in this time to get people up out of here, like the homophobic slurs were one thing. The racial slurs was, no, uh, was another thing uh, using uh, nigga in a nigga in a chat room. Like, come on. At this point now, like you, you, you can see who she is until she shows us otherwise. Until she can show she's changed. She's 24 years old. So, again, I know we, we've all said shit and done shit, even at that age that we that we don't wouldn't want to be held against us a year later, much less years, eight years later. But she doesn't have that time. So let's see how it's going to go. I just I don't have high hopes for uh, I I it's it's bad, man. It's bad what I can say. That's all I can say on that. I'm I'm going to get off that. Let me know how you guys feel about the Doja Cat shit that came out. Um, do you guys agree with it? Do you not? Uh, yeah, it's just a bad look, man. It's just a bad look. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break. You're going to hear from another Breaks Media podcast. I will see you guys right after that. What's up, everybody? This is Dan, a.k.a. Dan on Drugs. And I am Afro Becky, a.k.a. Afro Becky. And we are the Black Law and Legal Lies Podcast. Podcast. A weekly legal podcast for the culture. Each week, we have conversations with our co-host, Anne, a licensed and practicing slash ratchet ass attorney, as well as myself, a rehabilitated criminal and our lovely, esteemed moderator, Afro Becky. Most of our topics are legal in nature, and we discuss them in a relatable way. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Yo, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Or you can find us on social media at Black Law Podcast. So check us out. Or don't. Hey! What? Sometimes people do like the opposites. Good to see everybody. All of our panelists are here. This is Cleveland Robinson. Um, we see we've had a couple more brothers come in, come in, um, come in to the uh, uh, mentality. This is mentality for one brother to another. Um, and what mentality is about, this is our second time doing this. The first time we did it live back in February, but we wanted to make sure that um, we began to get it going regularly now. So we'll be doing uh, mentality once a month. We want to grow it. 
Um, good thing about being online is we can grow it as big as we want to grow it, okay? So what mentality is, it's a place that men can come, talk about real issues, and learn about how to address their real issues that they're, de that they're dealing with. Nothing's off limits. This is a safe place that we're going to come and talk uh, and have an opportunity to be real and transparent about what we may be dealing with, okay? Um, a good thing about this venue is, for all the panelists who are here, you will uh, be able to get all, all of our information. If you don't feel comfortable um, with voicing your opinion in this platform, um, you can feel free to reach out to any of the panelists or any other brother that you identify with and send them questions. Um, but I definitely want to um, give much credit to who actually came up and developed the platform. Um, and that is uh, Takara. Now, Takara is over the Melanin Manny Festival. And so a sister actually came up with this platform. She invited me initially to host it. I love the way it was set up. I said, I'm around with it. Um, and so um, we here, and that's what we're going to do. So this month, um, our two uh, specialists uh, for our panel that we have is um, my good friend and frat brother Jahi, um, who will be providing uh, some insight on not only the mental health portion, but how that's also uh, correlating to a medical portion is uh, uh, Jahi is a licensed physician as well. Um, we also have um, on the Awaken podcast. I think I said that right, brother, right? Sorry, it's the Awaken Soul. It's the the Awaken Soul yeah. um, is Brother Cordero Johnson. Um, he uh, does a regular podcast that he's going to tell you all more about um, that, that I've listened to a couple of the episodes initially when we connected online, super insightful. And so we definitely have um, um, a lot of thoughtful brothers on here who's going to try to feed into each other. Um, so I'm going to start off the panel um, uh, with a couple of questions. It's an open conversation. Um, the panelists, we're going to kind of talk. If you have questions, please send them in to Cleveland Robinson. Um, you can send them directly to me, and um, I'll make sure they get addressed. Um, so first and foremost, um, we want to start off with the panel. Our first question, which is how we're going to kind of lay, lay the, fr the framework is, uh, what is uh, mental health? And we'll start with Jahi. What is mental health? Let's define that first for everybody. Well, first off, Jahi Anderson, I'm a uh, psychiatrist uh, trained in Meharry Medical College. Um, what is mental health is a, a wide ranging uh, topic. Um, mental health, and I tend to more look at it in the frame of mental wellness. Um, I, don't, I try hard not to look at it from a perspective of just illness, which is kind of how the medical um, industry trains us. And you kind of have to kind of decode it and come from a different paradigm, um, but mental, mental health and mental wellness is about being able to be balanced, um, being able to be able to, to cope and function um, in whatever manner you are, in whatever uh, manner that you can, because uh, we all know what it's like to be able to function, um, but do we know what it means to function optimally? Um, do we know what it means to uh, be able to identify stressors um, and things that you know may be barriers to us being able to function? And that is, that is, of the utmost important being able to identify what is getting in the way of you being able to be at your best and in that whole range is that range of mental wellness and mental health um it's a it's a continuum it's a spectrum so um 
being able to identify those things is is most important. <clears throat> so as black men, this is for the whole panel, as black men, let's dive in. Why are we doing a better job of checking on our mental health? What's the problem? I think it's because we weren't taught. We weren't taught the value in mental health for so long. Like it was um, something that it was kind of unspoken in our culture. Like we were looked at weak as being weak for just admit, admitting that we felt like something was wrong with us mentally or that we weren't knowing how to cope with something. And I think like men not having a safe space to a stuff like this to talk amongst each other, um, but also not have not knowing how to talk about it once we are uh, amongst each other. Like we 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 kind of touch on it some, but we never really get in depth on it. And I just think those are just tools that we aren't typically raised with. So we have to find a way to 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 gain those over time. Agreed. So a big portion for me, um, like I said, we're gonna start real transparent. <laughs> and, uh, I've been a, a licensed professional counselor um, for quite some time now. Um, that's that's my trade. Um, but actually, although I knew the importance of therapy, the first part of my career, I never went to counseling. So I was a counselor who was not necessarily professionally dealing with his uh-huh. issues. And the main reason I never went is because... Um, I was kind of, in some ways, afraid still. Now, I'm talking as a counselor. Um, I was afraid really to tell my business. That's number one. I mean, I knew it could be helpful, um, but it's so much stuff that was still ingrained in me. Um, The other one is, because I knew about being a counselor and a therapist, um, as a man, I felt as if no one could truly give me the insight to help me. I thought my issues were really just that tough. And so last year, okay, this is after being in the profession now for six years, last year was the first time I went to a counselor Um, because things in my life had got to that point, um, whether I was dealing with a depressive state, I deal with depression um, off and on, um, or things were just getting too heavy, I had to break down and go to one. And believe it or not, you already know how we ended up ended up helping is what it is so i'm letting you know this just isn't about who you are what you do for a living across the spectrum black men are having an issue with just opening up and being the v word vulnerable with someone outside of themselves what you got Jerry? um i should you uh all right we got okay yeah i mean i i 100 agree um that us as black men and i mean you can even go as far as to say men in general um, we don't seek help, uh, period. Um, and certainly we don't seek mental help. Uh, it is looked at as being weak. Um, what you just said about being vulnerable with somebody, you don't know how to be vulnerable because you don't even, you don't even know what that means. What does it mean to be vulnerable? Um, you know, you, you're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to handle whatever it is, tuck it down deep. Don't let anybody see your warts, see your wounds. And all the while you're building up scars, you're building up you know, scar tissue, you're building up all these things in your closet that will come tumbling out at some point. And usually it's against the people that you, you know, you love the most, your wife, your children, um, your, your, your friends, you know, you're having a few drinks and all of a sudden, you know, you start talking about a situation and all of a sudden you cursing somebody out and y'all going to blows because all of a sudden you got to protect yourself. You got to, you know, puff your chest out because all that stuff was piled up and stacked up and not processed. And that leaves us in a vulnerable state because we don't know how to be vulnerable. Um, So that is one of the biggest things that I've seen. And I deal with people 
generally in crisis. I mean, I don't talk to people a lot of times that, you know, are about to need some help that may get, that they're trying to broach that first uh, barrier. I deal with people that have hit the crisis point where they're being admitted to a psychiatric facility because they tried to kill themselves or they've been considering it or they have, you know, all of a sudden they can't function because they're using so many substances or they just all of a sudden, and it's not all of a sudden, I say all of a sudden, it's all, it's stacked up and here it is and you no longer can, can live the life that you thought that you were supposed to be living. Um, and being able to intervene is, is what we're talking about. How do I decide, just like you just said, Clee, I got some things going on and you know what? I got to address these because I know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about being weak. It's not about being soft. It's about being able to, to handle any issue that you have that you know can fester. We do that with every other aspect of our lives. We do that when your relationship, when you when you you're unhealthy and you feel it, and all of a sudden you gotta you gotta okay I, I don't feel right and you need to address that. You're spiritual. Your your connection is off. If you go to church, you just you know what not really connecting. I gotta pray on that. But why is it so different when you can't find yourself out of this fog where you wake up in the morning and sometimes you're like you know what I just don't I don't have it to get up today. I'm gonna do it and I'm a zombie through the day but I'm just not here. And how long will you continue to do that? How long as black men will we continue to do that before we decide to intervene before it becomes a crisis in every aspect of our lives? Um, so, Well, I think one of the biggest things is, and um, I'm gonna go back to that, is we're taught at a very young age, okay, um, to tough it out. And like I said, I understand that, you know, that is men in general, but, you know, specifically for black men and men of color, which is what our focus is, we are taught to tough it out. The media shows to tough it out. Um, a lot of times, you know, whether it's sports, uh, whether it's the community, you know, we do have a predefined definition of what masculinity is. I think because of that, that's really prevented us from seeking our health overall. Cause this, this right here mentality is just not about mental health. It's about your health, period. period. So we toughen it out. Um, and the end product that, of that is this, in every single category, um, especially when it comes to health and major chronic illnesses, um, when it comes to your major diagnosis, black men have some of the highest rates. And in many of the um, health categories, we die first, um, especially in um, diseases that are related to stress, we die first. Um, and whenever I deviate, I think the, um, the, visi- the v- physician on the line can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I 100% agree with you. And matter of fact, we're in a big test case right now because we have this big thing behind us called corona, coronavirus, this pandemic, that all of a sudden people are starting to realize as the numbers keep coming in, why are black people at the highest level of people being taken out? getting the sickest, getting the most ravaged by this illness um, because we are at a state of crisis physically and mentally and stress drives a lot of that. If you're constantly stressed and you're constantly suppressing um, things and not processing them, what do they do? They disrupt your immune system. That's how, that's how the stress hormones work. Um, so one of the, one of the uh, participants said something uh, 
as well that I know that you would lean towards, and that is, let me back up real quick. Do you all remember, and I'm talking to all the participants, that when Corona first hit, this thing was out, the black people couldn't be affected by it. That was big for a long time. Yep. Um, and the brother on the line, Turner Cooper, um, just said something, um, and I want to intervene real quick, Jahi, for what he said. One of the main reasons I think the numbers spike for black people is because of pre-existing conditions that we didn't know we had. Um, primarily because um, I would say that we as black men really don't do a lot of preventative uh, health measures. I agree with that 100%. We, we, we always treat our health as like an after, like once we notice something's wrong, that's when we want to do something about it, right? And at that point, it's too long. Um, it's Yeah, it's gone too long. And then also something that we don't talk about enough is like we inherently carry a form of PTSD just by being black men in this country. Mm. And when you think of those, the, the type of stresses that we have to deal with that other races, especially white men, just don't have to deal with just by being us. We are already at risk for, for certain health things because we're dealing with stress that we don't know how to do anything with other than internalize that then does feed into our physical health as well. Like it is, it's, 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 it's like a totem. It just go, it flows downhill. So. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is it really is that simple. Well, what the brother just said about uh, this generational trauma, we have generational trauma that has been passed down father to son to mama to, I mean, since, since we showed up over here and let's not even talk about the long road, the long ocean that we had to cross to get here and whatever trauma that had to happen to get us on them boats. Um, so all of that plays a role generation after generation. It affects your DNA. Um, and what ends up happening is if you fast forward to where we are now, it's not just some, some invisible thing. It has had physical effects on our genetic makeup. Yeah, period. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, we are able to handle stressful situations. You put us in a corner, we'll fight our ways out. We will figure out a way. You put us in, in, in a whole lot of different places that a lot of people couldn't survive. And we, we seem to thrive. However, you're not supposed to live on the edge like that. You're not supposed to be in a constant state of fight and flight and having to overcome because that is the history of us. We have always had to overcome. And all that does is yes, it makes you tough, and it puts up these walls, but at the same time, as soon as you have no reserve, your immune system is bottomed out, your stress levels are bottomed out. So as soon as you get hit with something that you didn't know was coming, boom, we get took out. We're the first to get took out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's going on right before our eyes. Um, I had this conversation the other day because it is literally happening right before our eyes with this, with this pandemic. Um, for all the people that just like you said, Black people, as soon as they said that, I was like, mm, that don't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me at all because mm -hmm. then the numbers started coming out like, no, we are at the top of the list of wow. every yeah. illness. Mm -hmm. The only one that we're not at the top of is suicide and we're catching up. Catching up. Yeah. We're catching up. Yeah. I actually um, had a little, can you hear me well? I had a yeah. little question. Go ahead. Well, my name is Antonio McDonald. Uh, I wasn't at the men's group, but I was actually given a link to this, and Ooh, I, yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm a yogi. I'm a yogi. I do yoga for eight years now, and I had a little question. Um, I've noticed that that 
that having to be a that being in the constant state of fight or flight for since we got over here it's kind of become like an expectation and a moral system like we judge our values as black men off of being tough, off of being hard, because that has what's got, that's what got my grandfather through. That's what got my father through. So, and I do think it's become a part of the culture to kind of expect that. So it's like, how do you shift the culture? You know, do you shift the culture by changing the institutions that produce the children? Or do you just start with the parents? Because, you know, you could tell a kid, be soft and be kind, but if, he has the police constantly after him and so many physical threats against him. It's kind of hard to tell a kid to, you know, open up, if you know what I mean. Well, what, we, what I've noticed in that, thank you so much for your question. Um, what I've noticed in that is that it literally does start um, in the home, but more so as a culture. And this is why I say this. But I'm only coming from a therapeutic standpoint. Um, when I'm dealing with many of my white clients over my career, um, them having a therapist isn't really that much of a stigma uh, for many of them, especially depending on what their 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 uh, class is. Um, if you upper class, having a therapist is just something that you do. You know, I go to my therapist every Wednesday, yep. kind of like going to my yoga instructor every Friday. It's a part of my barbershop yeah. health package, period. And so you got to understand that there is research and science behind people of color, black people, um, in Hispanics, um, we have a culture where we are secretive. We've always been secretive. And so that you have to be, have to be. So that means that family secrets stay within the house. Um, because that's how we've always operated. We keep most of our, we have a, um, a, a view of what masculinity looks like and being any part of vulnerable um, or being any part of showing emotional weakness is an overall sign of weakness as a man. And so it does have to start, I think, from the inside of the house with literally parents taking the first step in a community as a whole saying, hey, we go talk to people because we need somebody to work on our minds. We go do regular health checks and we need somebody to work on our bodies. It has to become a norm. But until we do it over a generation, which is usually what it takes for a trend to change, then it won't change. Mm -hmm. We will cycle back into this. And I really do believe that. I was about to say that um, <clears throat> the, the, simple, the simple answer is that, yes, it starts in the home, no matter what that home looks like, because our homes certainly in, in 2020 are all different types of homes. We don't have the same yeah. nuclear homes. Yeah. We have, you know, a dad sometimes, sometimes we've got a mom and a dad, sometimes it's two moms, sometimes it's just grandma, sometimes it's a foster mom. We don't know. Um, but it starts with just simple being able to learn how to communicate. We don't know how to communicate with other people. We certainly don't know how to communicate how we feel. And it starts, for example, in my household, the way that I do it, I got a two-year-old son and I got a seven-year-old daughter. And from the moment that they came out, I'm talking to them. I'm not just showing them, I'm showing them and I'm discussing. You did this, why did you do that? Help me understand. We're gonna have a discussion about it. Why are you feeling that way? Why exactly do you feel like you need to show me that you're crying when you know that you're the one that did something wrong? So we're gonna process this and we're gonna talk about it because ultimately, you have to know how to express yourself to know when something is wrong. You got to know how to be able to analyze yourself. You shouldn't have to come see me because at that point, 
you've reached crisis. Um, and at that point, you, you, the, the lots of scars have built up. So it starts years and years and years ago. And it starts with you, me, in the home with our children right now. If you're just learning it today and you got a 12-year-old, start today. You be behind the ball. But at the same time, just showing toughness and strength is no longer an option. At all, yeah. Just, it, it, yeah. It, we, we're behind the ball in every manner of life, certainly mental health, but financially, spiritually, we are so twisted up with what we feel like we need to do and where we need to go that we have to slow down, break it down to the simple elements of communication in your own household with your family. And that's not just going backwards with your kids, but upwards with your parents, having a discussion with your mom, with your grandma, you know, because they don't, I, I found that they don't know how to communicate stress either. I had to have a long conversation with my mom about she, why she was mad at her brother. And I'm mm -hmm. like, look, ma, we need to talk about this because this is shortening your life. You're 74 years old, but you're going to be 74 years old and sick if you continue at this rate. So do you intervene? When you know somebody needs to talk to, and they don't necessarily, if they want to see a therapist, send them to a therapist. But sometimes they need to start of, let's just have a conversation right now. And that's where we all need to start. I agree with that 100%. Like the asking the question of like, where does it start? Does it start with changing the institution? It starts with changing us, right? We have to learn how to have that communication. And then we can't expect to change anything if we don't adapt those skills first. So like example with my 14-year-old son. Since he's since he's been he's one of the most emotionally intelligent people I know, period, right now. Um, and that's because I, I did it different with him. I like I like you said, I worked through it with him. Tell me how you feel. Tell me why you feeling this way. Let's get to the bottom of, of what's going on. I didn't do the whole, you know, just it's, it's strong just to deal with it and move on. It's like, no, nah, let's let's work, let's work through this. But first. I had to break down, unfortunately, for that. I had to realize that I wasn't the most emotionally intelligent person. So then I can notice those flaws in my sons and help them overcome it as well. So I think when we ask that question of like, where does it start? It has to start with us. And then we can change from the outward. I mean, from the inside outward, like we, we can't change an institution if we not change in the next generation. So that they're going to be the people who pick up the ball and keep rolling with it. So I think it has to start with us. So then we can teach our children or the people around us or whoever's our stewards. And then as we learn emotional intelligence, as we learn the importance of our health, both mentally, physically, and spiritually, once we learn all those things, it's easier for people to understand what we're saying because they see that change in us. We have to kind of be the catalyst of that if we're, if we're going to really try to change some things. Okay. Let's switch gears for a moment. Um, we have kind of discussed a lot of the issues um, that we're dealing with. Um, but I think what I hear as far as the overall tone is that we definitely still have bad coping mechanisms yes. to deal with our stuff. Um, I on my on my IGTV series, I did an episode um, that said um, you can't sex it away, uh, you can't eat it away, you can't shop it away, drink it away, or drug it away. None of it'll work. Mm -hmm. um, but I think over time we have, of course. Um, dealt with a lot of those things with those are poor coping skills and of course as we know um they're temporary which is why we do them so much and do them over abundantly over time um and so we want to deal with some better coping mechanisms so i want to switch gears real quick to kind of lay a foundation um with the panelists um what would you say are some of the top issues 
that we deal with as um, men of color, um, as black men? What are some of the top issues we deal with? And after that, let's give um, those who join us today um, some tools, some, some starter tools to kind of address those things on their own. But first of all, what are some of the top things that we deal with? What are our stressors? Single motherhood. Okay. I would go at the big one, financial. Is that financial. Too. Okay. Yeah. Economic. Yep. Education. Right. Education. Education, indeed. Okay. So finances, education. Um, we had um, one of the participants coming to single motherhood. Um, relationships. relationships. That's a huge one. What's up, DJ? I see you. Um, relationships. Definitely certain relationships. And of course, during this will be every month. So during this, uh, this particular mentality, um, we won't necessarily have time to deal in with how our mental health and masculinity are hurting our romantic relationships. Mm. We're going to etch out a whole a entire one. one for that one. Okay. So we're not going to do that today. That's a good one. That's going to need to be a series. Yeah. Um, I see one for Turner. Um, gender identity. That's important. Um, um, gender identity, your whole... Um, your understanding of sexuality is huge. I was reading a, a report today and that focused on um, their research findings were that because of how men cope with their masculinity, which a lot of times deals with it, your sexual virility, um, that comes with a lot of other bad consequences, which we rate high as, as African-American men. Um, uh, diseases some of us are not able to get, a, get uh, that are permanent, or temporary. Um, and sexual assault, um, we're dealing with that. We dealt with that, of course, uh, Tony Mack, and one of the first ones, um, and we'll come back to that. So, but I want to kind of tear out some things. So the themes of all these things deal with trauma. Um, they deal with stress. If we're talking about finance and education, um, because I think that many of us rate our manhood as men based off, uh, based off of our accomplishments and how much money we have in the bank. Um, so Rappers do that, yeah, a lot. Definitely, yeah. and so we have that stressor. So the question to the panelists, with, because I wanna make sure we can um, get some skills is, how do we deal with it? Let's start with trauma. Let's, let's give um, the brothers who are on the line some general skills on how they can begin um, their journey on addressing their trauma. Well, I can jump in. Um, <clears throat> Dealing with trauma uh, starts with acknowledging and recognizing that you were traumatized. Um, because a lot of times, if you were traumatized as a child or as a teenager, as an, as an adolescent, as a young adult, a lot of times you suppress that and you try to cover it up. And it doesn't come out until a lot later in life. Uh, and it's caused a lot of disruption um, because you never knew that you needed to. No one ever told you that you needed to, to handle this. You knew it was a situation, um, but you were, you, you were supposed to be a man. Um, so you tucked that away and it caused whatever disruption that it did. And you just continue to push on forward. So being able to recognize and acknowledge that you were traumatized and, you know, I don't want to cliche it, you know, from a movie, but that it's not your fault mm -hmm. um, that that happened to you is a really, really important thing. Um, when it comes to trauma. I mean, I, and I've talked about this. I've had a whole episode based on it on my podcast. Like we don't talk about how we lose our virginity. And that's the story you told is shared by so many black men. But what do we do? We, we look at it as like a badge of honor for so long that we, uh, 
mess with an older woman and we don't realize until we get much older, if we even take the time to really look back and realize we were preyed upon very often, like those women are like, they, they portray men as being, uh, or men. all the time. Or men. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or men as well. And like the, the women are just as bad. Um, or we, or, or it's that guy in the family that everyone's like, Oh, well, you know, we don't want to leave you alone with him. All right. So why aren't we doing something about it? Like it, it's, it's so ingrained in, in our culture that we've just ignored it for so long. And then again, as men, we're taught almost to suffer in silence because if we do say something about it, it's why you being a bitch right now. Why are you being right. a punk right now? Exactly. And that's the mentality that we need to attack right now to start because so many of us get traumatized by that and we never fully recover for it. And then we wonder why when we move from relationship to relationship to relationship, we're poisoning it. And it's because we really don't realize what we've done or how that trauma is bleeding out through our actions now. So I'm glad you pointed that out, man. Yeah, when you have, uh, when you've attached trauma to one of the most basic drives, your pleasure drive of, of, of when you actually had sex and how you continue down the road of learning how to please yourself and please others, um, that causes severe disturbances in how you, how you process Every, every single encounter that you have with every single person that you have. And you figure a way through it, you suppress it, you push it down and you figure it out. But that doesn't mean that you ever dealt with the immediacy of whatever caused that initial trauma or repeated trauma. Um, you know, a lot of times these things don't just happen once you had, you got preyed on. That mm -hmm. you, you know, and we can call it what it is. If you were 15 and she was 22, you got raped, you know, because if you flip the case, if, 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 if you were 22 and she was 15, then yes, that's statutory rape. So you got to call it what it is. It is traumatic, even though the times we wear like a badge of honor, oh, you the, you the, you the 16 year old that had sex with the teacher or, or with the, with the older babysitter or, or, or the family friend or whoever that was, had their eye on you for several years, um, that's trauma. And that is just like any other kind of trauma that happens in your developmental stages. And, you know, people develop sexually at different times, you know. So whenever that development happens, you, it, it's, it's skewed. And a lot of times you never return to where you were supposed to be if you never got exposed to it. Um, and the difference being now is it doesn't necessarily have to be something that actually happened to you because... There's so much access now with kids that are five, six, seven, eight, that have cell phones, that have the internet, that have apps, that have watched more Pornhub than you can think of when they're nine years old. Mm -hmm. And these eyes, those eyes, those brains are not ready to be. Not ready. They're not prepared not ready. to see that before they've even processed how they feel about it. And yet they're being bombarded with it. And yes, that's trauma too. Um, so no, that's a major topic that you just brought up. That's, that's, that's huge. It has to be processed. It has to be um, because when it's not processed, when it's not dealt with, when it's not coped with, all it does is fester. I mean, those, those traumatic sores, those traumatic wounds, just liken them to any other kind of wound. Um, let's say that you, you, know, you continuously nicked yourself right here, year after year, you just, kept opening that wound back up never really got help you know it healed over a little bit and eh, you ripped it right back open again eventually 
you're going to lose function of this part of your body. And along the way, it may fester into something even more major. You might get in there and all of a sudden you've let bacteria get in there. All of a sudden it's permeated all the way through. You got septic because you thought, oh, this was just a little small wound. And you'd have dealt with that a long time ago. You wouldn't just continue to wound yourself like that. But we don't go get help. We don't process with mental illness or mental health or mental wellness. We don't take care of that thing. And all of a sudden it becomes a block where all of a sudden you can't, like you just said, you can't enjoy something that's supposed to be enjoyable because of something that you didn't process when you were 15. Um, and now you're 35 and you've been through how many relationships and you may be married and here you are still dealing with it, still trying to figure out um, when as a community, if we learn that, you know what, we need, to do, we need to be preventative. We need to tackle these things head on. Who do we talk to? Who do we go to to process this? You're not gonna holler at your homeboy. You're not gonna holler at your frat. We don't, we don't have that sort of relationship where you can just start talking about true deep feelings. You know who does that? Women. Women, women talk to their homegirl about real life situations that they got going on mm -hmm. and they bond over trauma and they get through it and we don't and, it, and here it is and here it will continue to be until we have these types of discussions that allow people the tools um, and the coping strategies to go back and deal with that thing so that you can all of a sudden chart a new path forward and you know what all of a sudden you see things in a different way let's switch gears um i want to make sure we have enough time um to begin to ask questions how we got to do the questions we have a room full of fellas and there you have it that was mentality from one brother to another that was our first virtual session of that particular um conversation it will be monthly going forward like i said the next one is actually june 18th so you guys have under a little bit under a month to prepare for it, to join for it. I'm going to be pushing the link to sign up and RSVP for everyone who is really interested in being involved and in being a part of it and taking a part of that conversation. Uh, because as you can tell, we had some breakthroughs. I hate that the, the kind of the time limit in which we had it in, uh, because I feel like we just started scratching the surface by the time it was time to wrap it up. Um, but that's the benefit of it being monthly and not just being a one and done we're going to continue to get as deep as we possibly can on there. But through and through, all in all, I want to thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Awaken Soul Podcast. You can go ahead and follow us at Awaken Soul Pod or at the Awaken Soul Pod. Go ahead and search out our discussion group, the Awaken Soul Podcast, on Facebook for the discussion group. Uh, you can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, the Awaken Soul Pod at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 614 547-2039. We are the number one podcast for the culture. And again, this week, I'm out. Peace.